Anyway, I love you. I'm Tracy. I have a husband named Garrison, and I have the cutest baby of all time named Declan August Kessler Wild Pace. I'm sorry. Um, when my dad announced it to our church, he goes, he, and he's the grandfather, and he goes, excuse me, I got to look at my notes here to announce his name. I'm like, thanks, Dad. Anyway, we call him Dak for short because his initials, Declan August Kessler. I did not name him after Dak Prescott. Uh, although I am a Cowboys fan, but I did not name him after that. It just happened to be his initials, but he is the cutest human of all time. I'm sorry I don't have a picture of him. You'll just have to go to my Instagram or just trust me because he really is. He's delicious. His dad has had him in the same outfit as I left him Thursday night, and I'm hoping by tonight he has changed him. So send a prayer for Dacky boy. Um, but yeah, I have the great honor of pastoring in Boise. My husband and I work for my brother, um, Pastor Chris. He, he's amazing. Um, and uh, I, love, I love coming to places like this. I was telling Madison afterwards, there's few places that you feel at home to preach. This is one of them. And I just feel so comfortable to preach what God has given me. So I hope you're ready. I hope you're excited. Um, I love to be able to communicate what God has given us. So let's go to the Bible. Luke chapter 5. That was a good enough intro. Lord, we got to move on. But they said I got a little more room in this service. So Luke chapter 5, starting in verse 17, you got it on the jumbo Bible. I'm going to read it right here in front of me. It says, on one of those days, as he was teaching, this is Jesus, on one of those days. I just like that that's how Luke starts this part. He's like, on one of those days, you know, we've all had one of those days. He was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea. And from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with him to heal. I believe the power of the Lord is in this place to heal today. And behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed, and they were seeking to bring him in and lay him down before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst of Jesus or before Jesus. Some translations say at the feet of Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said, man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins for God alone? When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them, why do you question in your hearts, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, rise and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And he said to the man who was paralyzed, I love this, like the man's just been laying there like, going like this, like as Jesus and the Pharisees are talking, he's like, did you forget about me? Like they're just having a dialogue, you know, and the guy's like, but remember me? I just like came from the roof. I love this. Gosh, I love the Bible. And he says to the, to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise up. He says, rise up, pick up your bed, and go home. And immediately, gosh, I love that word. And immediately he rose up before them and picked up what he had been lying on. And he went home, glorifying God, and amazement seized them all. And they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, we have seen extraordinary things. Who's ready to see some extraordinary things today? Who's ready? Come on, 1132, are we ready to see... Do we believe he's the same God that did amazing, miraculous things? Then he can also do them today. Amen. Are you ready? Would you pray with me this morning? Jesus, we welcome you in this place. You're already here. We know it. We ask that you'd open our hearts to receive whatever it is you want to say to us today. We love you, Jesus. We're so grateful for you. 
And we ask that this, this space of time would be dedicated to whatever you want to do. This is your church. These are your people. So God, say whatever you want to say through me. Well, we just, we just, we dedicate this space and this time to honoring you and receiving from our Messiah, the great Jesus. Lord, we love you. We're so blessed by you. And we magnify you right now in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, I think, I, I hope that very few people would argue against community and the need of it, right? I think we all recognize we need each other, right? Post, uh, uh, we're living in a post-COVID world, whatever that means, but, but we're living within this new kind of way of living and we realize what life was like, probably for the first time in our lifetime, what life is like without community a little bit, right? Uh, many of us experienced some isolation during a short amount of time, or maybe some of you still experience you know, some version of that where it felt like community had been kind of taken away from us. God never intended us to be apart. We've always been, it's built into the very fabric of who we are from the very beginning. It starts in Genesis. By the way, and this is one of my favorite things, all of New Testament theology is found in the book of Genesis. Did you know that? All of it is found there because God already orchestrated it all the way from the beginning. So everything we find, that's why Genesis, if you want to study a Bible, study it. Or if you want to name your kid Genesis, that was the smartest thing ever in the world. Like, I love that. I'm going to steal it for the next kid. But this is, this is important for us to recognize that Jesus from the, or God from the beginning created us into, he birthed us into community to have each other. He said it's not good for man to live alone. So he's never wanted us to be in this isolated thing. So we're drawn towards it, I think. That's why some of you like CrossFit. Weird, you know? I like group workouts, though. I can't, I'm not going to go to the gym and work out by myself. I will literally do nothing. I'll put headphones on and listen to music and sit there. But I'll go to the gym, and I'll be, like, in a class, and I'll be, like, and I'm, uh, we have this gym at home that a bunch of people, uh, some people in our church own it, and it's, like, half our church goes to it, and it's the best. It's called Jack City. And we have these work, these group classes, and I go to Ladies Hit. We go to a Ladies Hit class, and it's all me and basically all my friends. And so I'm, like, wanting to beat them, you know, because I'm, like, oh, no, she's not getting me on the, the, what is that thing? I hate it. Whatever. But I'm, like, I'm winning today. And then, but then also we just love to laugh. It's just, it's better doing it together. I leave, like, refreshed. It's, like, my favorite hours of the week is to go to the gym and hang out and, yeah, and sort of work out. But it's communities doing things together. Um, our, I don't get this, but this is a big thing. I don't know if you're into this, but a lot of people love fantasy football. Texas, you love your football, but I don't know if you like fantasy football. But in Idaho, these boys are obsessed with fantasy football. My brother, who's our lead pastor, decided that our staff should do a fantasy football league. And I was like, oh, I am traumatized. From years growing up with my brother, I did do fantasy football leagues with my brother. I was, the only, I was a tomboy growing up. I was the only girl in these fantasy football. And my brother would, like, get so mad at me. He's like, trade that guy for me now. He's like, Tracy, we're doing a matchup. Do that. And I'm like, I don't care enough, Chris. Like, I want to be for the people. I want to preach the gospel, you know? I'm just kidding. <laughs> So we got suckered into this fantasy staff thing, and I'm crushing it. Last week, I beat everyone. I was in the top. I was like, I got a medal and stuff. I was like, all right, well, I see why you guys love it. Anyway, but people find community in fantasy football. Like, there's these, like they literally, they, I've never seen so many guys have, like, you know, girls get together and, like, watch dumb shows, and we, like, hang out. We love it. Guys get together and do mock drafts for months. I'm like... 
football season just ended. We have like a lot, no, we're ready for next year. And I was like, you guys are psycho, but okay. Um, you know, it's like all these different ways of, of being a part of community. I know a guy who's a gamer, right? He loves Xbox and they, get the, they do it live. This is a thing, right? Live, he led someone to the Lord over Xbox Live because they'd been buddies for years and he was going, I'm like, okay, that's community. I'm, I'm, not gonna, I'm, not gonna, I'm not gonna say anything about it. But we, we're built for it. We're wired for it. We're created for it. We desire it. We need it. And we all, I believe, have been given uh, a measure or a purpose within our hearts and our life that God wants to deliver through community. I experienced this firsthand when I delivered my little, perfect little human, Ducky Boy. And moms, women that you've delivered, by, you know, this is, this is an interesting day. I go to the hospital. Yes, I'm the one pregnant. I'm the one delivering. But dear Lord, I needed a team. You home birth women, you are a different breed. <laughs> you, wow, I'm impressed by you. You are what we all attain to, but I will never desire to be, okay? Like, I, in my mind, I'm like a crunchy mom in my mind, like 70%. I'm, like, non-toxic. Don't let my son have inflammatory oils, you know? I, like, make sure that there's, like, the EMF is, like, really low, but I go to Chick-fil-A every other day, you know? <laughs> but, so as a mom, like, I'm, I go in here, I know I'm the one that's delivering it, but I can't do it without my team. Like, I'm not going in there without my husband and my mom who represents 10,000 people through her prayers. Like she's on her phone texting everyone play by play so that the intercessors are like, and I knew, I was like, I'm gonna get through this because my mom has every intercessor praying this is gonna happen, okay? I walk in and there's my nurse and um, the nurse comes up to me and she's so sweet. She's like, oh, welcome. And I'm like, I'm not in the mood, but okay. <laughs> Just get this over with. And she's like, do you mind? Um, and there's this sweet little girl right next to her, you know, that looked fresh out of high school. And, but she was like fresh out of college. And she goes, do you mind if she, she's a trainee, do you mind if she's with us today? And I was like, yeah, no, not at all. What am I supposed to say? Like, I'm a pastor in the city. For all I know, she attends our church, you know? And I can't be the one that's like, the pastor of Capital Church said no to the trainee nurse. So I was like, yeah, bring her in. Is there a male intern that wants to join? Like. Are there some other people in the waiting room that just don't have anything to do for a while? Bring them in. We got nothing but time in here, you know? And then my doctor. Oh, I am obsessed with my doctor, Dr. West. I love him. I can't wait to have another baby just so I can see him again. I miss him a lot. Like, every time I drive by the hospital, I'm like, oh, I wonder what Dr. West is doing. I love him. Jamie, you know. We love a good doctor. So uh, we're in here. Dr. West comes in, and he goes, well, Trace, Today's the day. Let's, I, I hope we're going to have a baby today. And I was like, I, I'm not sure what you mean by hope. Like, you scheduled this induction. Like, we came at 7 a.m. I'm ending this day by having a child. I didn't know that there was another option. He's like, well, the first, you know, first baby, sometimes it can be 20, 30 hours. And I was like, no, 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 no. Yeah, we're having this baby today. And so here I am. And I'm in the middle of labor. Garrison has his snacks, thank God, because he's got to eat like every 45 minutes. And my mom is in the corner interceding her little heart out. Garrison was actually phenomenal. He surprised me. I wasn't quite sure. And he did great. Um, and then I have my nurse and my trainee nurse who um, had to poke me in every arm and could never get the vein. And that was a blessing. <laughs> and then I have... 
sweet Dr. West. And halfway through, I just gave up. I quit. I was like, yeah, I'm, I don't like this. And I remember my nurse saying this when my doctor had come in to check on me. He comes in, how's it going? And he's the sweetest Christian. He prays with you before you deliver all stuff. It just, you just feel great. And um, except for you don't because you're in labor. But he comes in and he goes, how are we doing? And the nurse goes, um, I don't think, Tracy doesn't like labor so much. And I was like, wow, thanks. Like, does anyone? Like, okay, throw me under the bus in front of, in front of Dr. West. And I, I had given up. I was like, and Dr. West comes in and he goes, Tracy, we got this. And I remember he just, it all of a sudden clicked for me that I wasn't doing it alone. Yes, I was the one pregnant. And I was the one who physically had to deliver. But I was not doing this alone. I had a team and together we were gonna make this thing happen. And it was gonna come together and the joy of it was gonna be experienced by every single one in that room. I wasn't the only one that received the joy. And I'm telling you, I was like, where have you been, Dr. West, for 12 hours? Because as soon as he came in and said that, I'm telling you, that baby came earthside within 15 minutes. And the sweetest human ever was born. Why? Because community, I think, together delivers the purpose and the plan that God places within you. You were never designed to do it alone. We are created for togetherness and for community. And I love that, that Eugene Peterson says this, Jamie Nye's guy, we love him. Eugene Peterson says this, the first change that happens when you come into the gospel, when you come into the kingdom, is grammatical. The first change, you go from me to we. It's the first change. Me to we. You're no longer just a me, myself, and I person. You were before Jesus. When you come into the kingdom of God, guess what happens? You become a we. Like, I'm in this together with you. Now, the, the, what you carry, now I carry. Like, what you feel, I feel. The Bible says this, we weep together and we rejoice together. I mean, the, we're doing life together all the time then. Because somebody's always weeping and someone's always rejoicing. So we're just... Come on, we're in it together all the time. And this is how God designed it for us. So we get to this text, and that is what the heart of this text is, is it's a community, collaborative faith. It's not an individual faith alone. It is together they needed faith to see the miracle happen. There's a man who is paralyzed. He hears Jesus is coming to town. He's probably heard about the miracles and signs and wonders that he's done. So he knows if he can get near Jesus, guess what? He can get healed. But here's the problem, and it's a big problem. He can't get himself there. He's paralyzed. The Bible gives us indication that not only is he lay in this bed, but he lives in the bed that he's on. He can't get himself up. He can't do anything without help. He needs support. And then there's these four guys. Somebody get some best friends like these four guys. These are the best friends you could ever have. Four guys decide, or maybe they hear too, man, Jesus is coming to town. We've got to get our friend to Jesus. Now, this is what always blows my mind and what just stirs me and gets me going. I get so excited. Is that I bet those four had needs. That they could have just been like, hey, Jesus is in town. I got to go and just get to the meeting. But they were like, hey, our guy he needs Jesus. He needs a touch. Hey, can, can, hey, you three, can we, can we together, can we collaborate, can we be collective, can we get together, and can we bring our friend to Jesus? This is huge. This is the heart of the gospel. And so you see these four guys surrendering whatever need they might have had 
or desire they might. That it, it's a chance that they're not going to get close to Jesus, but they're going to get their friend there. And that's enough for them. Woo! If that's not the gospel, I don't know what is. So these four guys, that get to the house. The Bible tells us that they're late to the party, right? Because the crowd is already pretty big. So they can't get inside. They, maybe they could have been better friends by getting on time, but we'll let it slide. We'll let it slide. Uh, so they get there, and then they see that they can't get in. I'm not a good friend. I would have said, we tried. Like, good on us. You know, there's a coffee shop around the corner. There's some, an olive bar, you know, because it's Jesus' day. Get it? Um, <laughs> and I would have been like, I tried. <laughs> but these guys were persistent in their faith. They sent the ur- they sensed the urgency of their friend and his need. And so they, they come up with a plan. They see the houses. Now, houses in ancient Israel and during this time, well, they were flat roofs, and they almost all had ladders on the side of the house. So this was a common theme. So one of them, Alpha Mel of the group, was like, I got it. See that ladder? We're going to lift him up. We're going to climb him up, and we're going to get him on top. And I, I, there'd got to be one of the guys that was like, that's the dumbest idea. Because think about that. A man on a bed, four guys, a little ladder. I'm not great with geometry and like different things, but I can't figure that out. Like that, would, that alone was like difficult, right? And so they're, they're, they're work, they somehow get him up there and thank God they didn't cause more injury to the man. They get him on top of the roof. The Bible says this, that then they begin to remove the tiles from the roof. So this is cool, right? They're removing the tiles. Can you imagine being in the crowd with Jesus? Jesus is talking. Jesus is the best. He's just like, you know, preaching the good news, like, I mean, you could, I, can you imagine being one of those people, just listening to Jesus, being in the same room as him, and you know, the, the environment might have been tense, the Pharisees and the Sadducees are, you know, they're waiting to catch Jesus, but Jesus doesn't care, he doesn't skip a beat, he's just like, he's just being who he is, but he's probably talking, and then a tile hits him in the head, <laughs> your dust is falling next to him, or people are getting dust in their eye, you know, and like, it's getting distracting, and there's like movement happening, and like, you know, you, like, you could lose a crowd real easy if something weird happens in the service. Jesus is just like, he just keeps moving. He's like, just stay with me. We got this. And then all of a sudden, these friends open a, a large enough space in the roof that they let their friend down. And it says that they, they, left, they let him right down before Jesus. This, to me, is this beautiful picture of community, the bravery of community. Sometimes I think we need community to be brave enough to do what we need to do. Sometimes I don't have the courage alone. But, but if I have four friends that are like, we can do this, like delivery. Thank you, Dr. West. If we have people around us that go, yeah, we can do this. They have courage for you and courage for me. They'll get you right to the place that you need to be, which is right at the feet of Jesus. So we have these amazing, courageous friends, but then we also have Jesus. Oh, I love Jesus, sweet Jesus, who's not irritated by the disruption, who's not like, you messed up my talk. I was really about to get that Pharisee. Jesus is not bothered. He's not irritated. He's not like, wasting my time. You know what he says? This is beautiful. In verse 20, he says, he looks, at G- he looks at the man laying at his feet. And if you could put up verse 20, just so that I get it right, because I can't, f- oh, I found it. I found it. I found it on my note. And when he saw Jesus, when he saw their faith, I love that word. Man, that's an important word. When he saw their faith, 
He said, man, your sins are forgiven. This plural pronoun is important from the Greek, from the original Greek. This is not a mistake. This is not a, oh, like it was uh, just thrown in there in our English, English translation. Their faith, this, this plural pronoun, is essential because what it means from the original Greek, it does not mean the four men who are standing up there high-fiving each other. You know, like they're like cheering up there because they're still up on the roof, right? Their friends down here, but they're up there like, yeah. Jesus is not saying their faith. He's saying the man's faith mixed with their faith is what got the attention of Jesus. Something happens when my faith and your faith come together. The Bible says this, that we each have a measure of faith. I came in with a measure. You come in with a measure. There are some people that got a larger measure than me, right? And, and, and we need each other. I need people who have faith. There are days, come on, we're Christian, but we're also human. There are days that I need someone with some strong faith. Come on, that's why we love Uncle Mark. He's got faith for days. He, he sees something, he believes he'll have it, you know? I love it. I need Mark, Pastor Mark has been, he's not Pastor Mark to me, he's just Marky. Mark and it has been such a strength in my life because of his faith. He stirs my faith. Right? I need people like that. You need people like that because we each have a measure. But when we bring our measures together, Pastor Steve, can you imagine what God can do in and through our lives? When I throw my faith into the mix, man, the things that God is able to do, it gets the attention of Jesus. Now, I believe that sometimes in our life, there, we are pregnant with purpose, we are pregnant with destiny, we are pregnant with something, and we've been striving, trying to get it done, trying to make it happen, but for some reason, it doesn't come to delivery. I venture to guess and I wonder if sometimes it's because God never intended for us to deliver it alone. He's always planned for us to together bring these things into fruition. You might be waiting on a promise, waiting on a plan and a desire, even a prophetic word that God's or a vision or something that God has birthed in you, and you've been waiting on it and you're sitting on it and just quietly been, you know, like you've taken that scripture way too seriously. It's like, but I'm just holding it in my heart like Mary, you know? It's like, yeah, sometimes it's great, but sometimes share it. Maybe someone's got the answer, you know? Maybe someone's got the provision. Like, we need each other. This is the power of church. This is why God created community. He created it for a collective, collaborative, corporate expression of faith. Now, yes, we have individual faith. The Bible says it's impossible to please God without faith. That's my individual faith. It's impossible for me to please him without my faith. But there's also a corporate, collective, collaborative faith that comes together. When we join together, someone has a need in the room, and my faith joins with their faith. And I forget kind of my stuff for a minute, and I focus on what that person needs, and I bring them with my faith to the feet of Jesus. And it gets the attention of Jesus, and Jesus is able to do what he's been wanting to do but he wants to do it. Why does he want to do it that way? Because does God need our faith? Not necessarily. He does it because, and I love how the text ends, and then they glorified God. You know what God wants? Glory. Because that's, that's what showcases to a broken, cosmically broken, hurting world that there is something better than us, that something that is in charge, there is someone who loves us with an everlasting love, 
God loves to bring faith together because, man, he gets the attention of people. So we need to bring our faith together so that God can be glorified. And guess what? And in it, God does miracles. I don't, I don't go after God for miracles. I go after Jesus because of Jesus. And I want to bring glory to him everywhere I go. This is what it means to be a part of a, of a congregation and a corporate expression is that it's our mission to bring glory to Jesus. I'm so fascinated by, by some cultural, like nonprofits and, and, and ministries and, and things outside of the church. Like sometimes they do things that I think the church should have done, but because the church hasn't done it, they pick it up. You know what I'm saying? It's like they kind of hijack some of the stuff that we should have been doing. And, and it probably has its roots in some faith-based, I'm sure, but Alcoholics Anonymous blows my mind. I think it's, it's a fascinating organization because it's, its goal is to help people get out of their addiction, but also its goal is to help those people help others to also get out of an addiction. So it's this collaborative team building together, we're going to do this. And also what is so fascinating is you can go anywhere in the country and if someone is struggling with an addiction, they know there's an AA meeting somewhere in that city. And they could walk in, show up, and there's going to be strangers who aren't really strangers who are going to come alongside of them and go, you can do this. I know you're struggling, but hey, you can, we, can, we can get through this. That's, that should be the church. People should be able to walk in the church struggling, broken, hurting, and they know when they walk through, the, they're on one side, they feel all the brokenness. They walk on the other side, and they feel surrounded and safe. Because there are people that are going to come alongside of them and they're going to help bring them to the feet of Jesus. That is the gospel. That is what God has called us into. And I think it's easy as Christians to forget that missional aspect. I, man, I, am, I could stay in worship for hours and hours. I could like you know, I could just lay on one of these pews and you guys just sing to me, you know, sing over me. I love the preaching of the word. I love church. I'm a church girl. I was born in it. We joke that I was born on a Thursday and I was in church by Sunday and I haven't left, you know. I love church. I love it. But I never want to get so connected to an expression that I forget the mission. And that I forget that every time I'm in his presence, he's filling me up so that I can then pour it out. Right? And I know we know that. I'm preaching to the choir. You're the best church in the world. You're the most, my word, you have the, the, the dream center. You do more than I will ever do. You're incredible. But I, but I think we always have to, we need a reminder that there's people in our everyday ordinary life that we see that I might be a, one of those four friends. For whatever reason, God knew that barista was gonna be in that line at Starbucks the day I was going through. God knows I see the same dry cleaner, you know, for how many years. God, God knows the people that are in your workplace and your employees and your employer and your coworkers and he knows your teachers and professors and he knows your family, he placed you in it, he set you in it. <laughs> He knows the people in your world, in your space, that he has called you to be on mission for. I just wonder how many people are waiting for four friends to carry him to Jesus. I wonder if there's people in the room today that 
they've been carrying, they've been pregnant with a dream and they need someone to help carry them to Jesus, to receive the promise. There's, there's a great old movie, Saving Private Ryan, that I think illustrates this in a really powerful way. Do you remember this movie? There's a mom who has four sons, three of them, four, all four of them are serving in World War II. Three of them die in battle. And it com- the general has gotten word that, that they have to send someone to go tell this mom that she has had, she's lost three babies, three sons. They find out there's one more son still alive and he's serving somewhere in France in a dangerous part of during the war. And this general is like, I will not go to this mom and tell her she has lost four kids. We are gonna find him, hence saving Private Ryan. So there is a mission, a rescue mission plan. Eight men join the mission. They've never met Private Ryan. They don't know him. They join a mission to go in a very dangerous, and they're told this is dangerous. We may not make it out alive, but we are gonna go in and we're gonna bring this son home. This, my friends, is what God has called us to. If we're gospel people, for kingdom people, it's our greatest joy and desire to be on mission for Jesus. There are broken people every day that you see. And Jesus wants you to be one that helps bring them. They might be crippled. They might be broken. They might be, be feeling the, the overwhelming sense of the world. And they might be full of anxiety and concern. And you are going to be one that goes, come on, we can do it. And you bring him to Jesus. This is what he's called each and every one of us to. And I hope that you recognize that Jesus cares about every single detail of your life. I know that. But I think, and maybe it's the Western Christian mind, but I think we we struggle to get outside of ourselves and think about all our needs and all that we want and all that, you know, we come to church and we're like, God, just fix me, bless me, do this for me. When really why we should come to church is being like, who can I bring into your presence? Proverbs says this, when you refresh others, he will refresh you. So the more you take care of those around you, I'll tell you this, God will take care of you. You have needs in here. I know it. God knows it. But how about we just start caring for the needs of us? This is the early church, by the way. Go to the book of Acts. Blows my mind. They brought all their provisions. They laid them at the feet of the apostles. They're like, okay, take whatever you want. Help everyone. Let's just, let's, let's do this together. There was this sense of togetherness that we've lost, I think, in our Western world. We've become isolated and we do our own thing. This last week I was, Dacky boy, my little boy, we like to take a little walk down our cul-de-sac. He has this little car that he pushes. And so we do this little walk down our cul-de-sac and all the neighbors are like, hey. They're basically all retired in my neighborhood except for one other family right on the very end. And I haven't seen them, I'm not exaggerating, in years. They don't come to the HOA meetings, which I love. <laughs> and because um, I love my people. I hadn't seen Mike and Heather in, in several years. I've lived in this house, in this neighborhood for 16 years and I hadn't seen them for a couple years and so they didn't even know I had a baby. And so we were walking down and Heather goes, is that yours? I'm like, yeah, this is my baby. So we start talking, then her husband Mike comes out and we start talking, we're hanging out in, the, in Pine Creek and we're just hanging out talking and um, they start, I was like, what have you been up to? And then they were like, well, we actually just retired. They're 45 and 47, that's the dream. 
and um, they just retired, and they were both um, very successful, hardworking in the um, in the healthcare system. And I looked at him, and I was like, man, that the last couple of years have probably been been pretty rough. Like, I can't imagine. Is that what kind of led you to deciding to retire? And they're like, yeah, we just to be honest, we we felt pretty burnt out. And I looked at Mike, and I could, I just, come on, I'm a, I'm a gospel person. I'm a kingdom person. I could sense the weight. And I looked at Mike and I said, Mike, how have you been? Like, how have you handled it? And tears start welling up in this man's eyes. He goes, do you know that no one has asked me that in over two years? Not one person. And his wife goes, I have. (laughs) And you know they fought as soon as they got inside. Because she was like, babe, I've been asking you, I know. But it did something to me, y'all. It just, y'all, like I'm from Texas. Can I be sort of? I just, it did something to my spirit. I was like, how many people, come on, that was simple. How, how are you doing, Mike? Mike knows what I do. I told him I was coming to Dallas to my favorite church to preach this weekend. And, and I just said, well, I'll be praying for you. I'm, I'm, hey, if you guys ever need anything, let me know. And they're like, we don't because they're retired. They're like living the dream. I'm like, actually, can you pray for me? <laughs> But come on, there's something. There's something together. This is what God's called us to. And man, will you stand with me?